Welcome back to Probably About Politics. This, episode one of season three, Rwanda, a change in leadership in Australia. And Sweden is having an election. Hey, did you miss us? I missed us. Yeah. And let me tell you, I was editing our podcast all summer long, <laughs> and I got to I got to be there for what is hours of editing. Yeah. And I still am not I'm not tired of our voices yet. That's fortunate. So we're back for another five to fifteen episodes over the next uh let's say uh six to ten months who knows Probably gonna be taking next summer off again we, well we don't really yeah we don't follow rules i don't think i think it's best to not set parameters for ourselves because we exactly. will break them season three but year four let's yeah. get it <laughs> uh we all know what we've been talking about on the pod over the summer mm-hmm. but we were both doing other stuff this summer and Kayla, where were you? Uh, well, I left the country for a little while. Presumably everybody knows that we're both based in Canada, usually. And I went to uh, a combination of Australia and a very small Pacific island uh, called Kiribati to do my master's research. So you're saying that Australia is not a small Pacific island? Uh, I mean, like, on the scale. It, it, on the scale. Yeah. And then, it's no New Zealand, no. but it's a small island. <laughs> and look, you don't want to... We don't want to anger the Australians. No, they are a force to be reckoned with. Though, I don't think we've had... I know we did have... We have had a listen from Australia. I have seen that flag. Yes, I think so. I have seen the Southern Cross on there. Um, So, what were you doing in Kiribati? Tell us... Give us like a a quick rundown of your research because we're uh, dying to know (laughs) what's going on in the Southern Hemisphere. Well, I went to Kiribati. If you don't know about it, highly recommend looking up. It's an interesting bit of geography. But it's a small series of atoll islands that are threatened by rising sea levels. And so I went for my master's work to uh, go look at how communities are being involved in uh, climate change adaptation processes because they're at risk from rising sea level. The most vulnerable, I mean. I would ask you what your findings are, but we can all read the thesis. Yeah. Uh, in eight months right yeah no let's uh let's wait for the publication build suspense oh for sure yeah we wouldn't want to get scooped (laughs) so uh further than that you were just in australia for a couple months so right Mm -hmm. yeah i decided to bum around there for a while it was loosely connected to my research but also it was winter there so it wasn't nearly as hot as it was in toronto all summer but still warm still still warm yeah they they didn't think it was warm but it was warm so you had a sweater to wear there as well i wore it everywhere i was asked about it maybe three times but i did wear it a lot yeah no look who knows maybe we have a strong contingent of australian fans now let's hope you know what i got the australia listen while you were there so you hit a home run with somebody yeah well i'd hope so i made so many friends and was wildly popular but um yeah no it was i mean it was pretty exciting i mean on the political front it wasn't very exciting until like the last 24 hours that i was there and then you left, and just the whole place. Yeah, there, there was news breaking. No, yeah, it was. I, I got off a fourteen-hour flight, and I found out Australia had a new prime minister, and it was not the person who they thought would be the prime minister. And it was not an election. No, not we at all. We didn't have time to cover this. <laughs> no, Australia. I mean, I'm sure many people know this, um, but is sort of uh, famous for uh, switching its leaders. Um, sort of no one's gotten through a full term since 2004 i think 
I did not know this. Oh, well, now you know. Until just now. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's been, there's a lot of infighting, a lot of, um, I guess it, the Australian public sees it as quite dirty. And I think in a lot of ways it is sort of uh, everybody's bidding to be prime minister and taking their chance when they get it. And so the the party doesn't change all these times. It's no. just the leader of the party. Yeah. And so the prime minister changed. Yeah. So the, I think, so Labour did this with Julia Gillard, which some people might remember. She was, I think, the first female prime minister in Australia. Um, and she she kicked out Kevin Rudd, who was the prime minister before her, and then he kicked her out again. And afterwards, the Labour Party made it harder to do that because in it, I think originally, if you if fifty percent of the party that was elected said that they didn't have confidence in the leadership anymore, then it would switch. And so they upped it to 60% and they haven't had as much rotation anymore. But the liberals, I think, have kept it the same. So it's sort of, if there's any discontent, it's pretty easy to just switch leadership. So how does this affect, like, if you have a vote of non-confidence within your own party to change leadership while in power? Yeah. How does that affect your re-election prospects? Uh, does it has it generally been followed by it with a switch of government, or are people kind of happy that the that they're taking care of it themselves to get rid of the folks that they don't like? I think um, so. If you from the people I talked to in Australia, it, it didn't seem like they were particularly happy that this kept happening. It slows things down. It's it's a lot of politics, not a lot of action, sort of thing. It, it, it's not you know necessarily for any good reason um in the in this in this instance i think will be a good test because the liberals who are in power have switched out malcolm turnbull for scott morrison and they have to go back to election in may so it'll be interesting to see yeah so there'll be a turnaround and probably the result of this will either directly impact it or it won't have a big impact and that's i think an important measure yeah you know you said there that it's a lot of politics and not a lot of action. Yeah. And I take offense to that. <laughs> and I think some of our listeners will take offense. All right. Because sometimes the politics is the action, Kaylee. At least for outside observers. Yeah. I mean, I guess so the liberal leadership switch up was because they felt that Malcolm Turnbull was too middle or leaning left because the liberals for people outside of Australia are the conservative party in Australia. <laughs> Just wait till we get to Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so they, essentially they overthrew him because they wanted to make the party more right. And the leadership now is certainly leans more right and has a pretty hardline stance on things like immigration and climate change. Interesting. So it's kind of redefining the party from within yes. rather than breaking off as a faction and trying to start a new party like we recently saw here in canada yeah yeah exactly there seems to be yeah a lot of in the liberal party and i think it's also true in the labor party from what i understood um a lot of people with a wide variety of views existing in one party okay so it's kind of like it's a big big tent yeah party okay so that was in australia that happened two weeks ago yeah end of august sometime the 24th maybe um, okay, so if anybody wants to find that, there's lots of news on it. Just check out Australia leadership change. There'll be plenty of plenty of sources on that. 
Uh, so let's move into something with a few sources. Yeah, something <laughs> a, a few little sources. more vague. <laughs> or something a little harder to follow, but I think is an important situ- an important democra- democracy situation. This has already happened as well mm-hmm. at the time of recording this. Uh, so we're not going to try to make any bold predictions uh, of the Rwandan election. Uh, but Kaylee, what happened in Rwanda? Well, uh, they had their uh, parliamentary elections uh, recently. It, I would suspect it wasn't a particularly uh, surprising outcome as the leadership, the, well, the president has been the president since I think 2000 and his party has similarly been in power. They have, I think, really overwhelming amounts of support every time. Uh, yeah. yeah. So there, so there is, um, I mean, I was looking at the poll, like the turnout numbers in, yeah. in Rwanda and they're incredibly like they're in the nineties, 90% range. Um, and the amount of support that the, uh, the RPF, the Rwandan patriotic front gets is also very high. I think it, it yeah. doesn't go lower than seventies. Yeah. Somewhere between 70 and 80%. Yeah. Now, in the past, when we've seen numbers like this, it normally is not a great sign Mm -hmm. uh, for the health of a democracy. Not not necessarily always, but when you see extremely high voter turnout and almost unanimous decision, like uh, well above 75% for a single party that's been in power for so long, are there... Has there been any news that you've seen about the democraticness of this election? How was it a fair election? I think he they probably it probably yes, probably in terms of like were people allowed to go to the polls and vote in that sense? Yes, but there are certainly some issues. There have been a number of opposition candidates trying to run for president or candidates parties trying to get going that um, aren't necessarily allowed to get going. I think there's only one party that is, or one or two parties. I think the Democratic Green Party is the only permitted critical party that has like been able to get in before. Um, so there's there's not, like, and the Social Democratic Party uh, actually stopped campaigning and just threw itself behind the Rwandan Patriotic Front. Um, and that okay. was really the only party that gets any more significant turnout. So, and, and he's, yeah, so they've been, there've been opposition leaders who have been arrested under some, what, uh, this is in the presidential, uh, campaign that was last year who've been arrested. He's, uh, the president has extended his term so that he can potentially continue to run until like 2035, I think. And he's been in power since 2000, 2000. Um, so there's, and the, and suppression of the media, um, that sort of thing that it all exists, but I think it's an interesting situation because you have a country that had a, a has a really high uh, turnout for uh, diaspora, so people who Rwandans living around the world has a pretty high turnout for youth, which is their overwhelming population, and mm. has a, a mandated quota for the number of women that must be elected. But even beyond that, I think in the past has had 60% women elected has women in very high positions. So you have these elements as well that exist in. Yeah. Looking at the, the makeup of the parliament um, and the way that they choose its proportional representation system. Mm-hmm. 
which we talked about this summer. So if you're interested yeah. in proportional representation and voting methods, go check out the summer school episode. Uh, so proportional representation means probably they can vote for multiple people. Yeah. Or there are multiple people uh, that come from each region to kind of allow uh, a more a more democratic yeah. uh, election of uh, candidates. Yeah. And so about two thirds ish of the seats are are anybody can run, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But then twenty seven of the seats of the eighty in the parliament are reserved, mm-hmm. right? And I've we've seen this before in some elections. But this was interesting there. I, I saw your notes on this beforehand, mm-hmm. uh, where 24 must be women, two of the seats uh, must be for youth, and one is reserved for a handicapped seat, Yeah, which we have not seen before. No. And I think, so, these are good things. This, in theory, should be, should be good and should be, I think, is in a country like Rwanda, which, um, as a significant part of its history has experienced genocide in 1994 um, and had a very large both youth population and large a larger number of women left after the genocide that this is really this is really necessary as a part of being able to build and help the country move forward but i think we've seen in other situations where these quotas for minorities can sometimes well in in theory and can be a really good thing can sometimes be sort of used as a way for a particular party or a particular president to try and remain in power or to use it to his advantage their advantage the, yeah there is potential for abuse mm-hmm. of any system yeah right but it's certainly interesting to see um like we talked about all summer is how you take a method that you seem to get out of a textbook mm-hmm. and it's impl- implemented somewhere in a completely new and different way than what we've seen before so the results are already out from the rwanda election if uh you're interested you can check them out uh there is but yeah there is a lot of voter turnout there was no change in parties yeah it's essentially the same as it was before which i think and i think what is interesting about this election yeah is there i was reading an article that talked about how a lot of youth were running, but they were running in parties that couldn't get elected uh, or that, that probably wouldn't get very much elected very much. And so, and that there's, I think another really interesting thing to consider in, in Rwanda is that there's not a, a lot of opposition to the RPF remaining in power. There's sort of a sense that there, the that party is the reason that they got out of the, the the situation with the genocide, and that they sort of were able to turn things around. Um, mm-hmm. So that you know, there's there they would like maybe for there to be more plurality of parties, but there's also there becomes a hesitancy because you you know that this person or this group of people have been successful in in this way after such a horrible event, I guess, which is an interesting factor. Okay, so if we want to move on from Rwanda then. Yes. There will be a little there will be some articles included in the newsletter that yes. we're going to be starting. Yes. Uh, on Rwanda, so if you want some more in-depth uh, look at that, make sure to uh, subscribe to our newsletter that's going to be coming out. Um, but we're going to be moving on to Sweden now, and Sweden similar to most European elections. <laughs> 
it could be summed up with exactly what you think a European election would be mm-hmm. uh, in 2016, 2017, 2018. It seems to be there's a rise of nationalism, anti-immigration sense, some Euroscepticism, all with a healthy dose of proportional representation and a smattering of parties in the center and on the left. Yes. That really, it's a coalition right now mm-hmm. between the Social Democratic Party not to be confused with the Sweden Democrats, yes. which are the Different. Nationalist Party that is that's on the rise. So right now it's a coalition between uh, the Greens and the Social Dems, uh, forming the uh, Lofen Cabinet uh, Alliance, mm-hmm. and their main threat is from the the most boring possible name of parties and alliance. Yeah, uh, their alliance is called the Alliance. And the alliance is made up of the moderate party and the center party. So <laughs> Look, that seems like an accurate description. I feel like I know what I'm getting. <laughs> exactly. And you'd think that you'd get what's on the tin. But really what interested me most about this Swedish election was looking into it is it's pretty run of the mill 2018 European election. Yeah. And we could talk about it, but I thought it was more interesting to look into kind of what the parties stand for Mm -hmm. because when you're looking at the names of the parties you think that you're going to get what's on the tin but it's kind of confusing especially from the party from the uh, episode that we had this summer about the political spectrum what it Mm. means to be on the left and what it means to be on the right with the six major parties being called the social democratic party the moderates the sweden democrats very different from the social democrats Mm -hmm. uh the greens the center and the left so you'd think okay this is simple but some of them have essentially the same names and are very different and two of the parties that i actually want to highlight and i thought that it was interesting we could talk about a little bit uh and maybe give some homework (laughs) and i want to talk about a little bit how you think that you know you're talking about Mm -hmm. and then you get these new terms and you're completely confused (laughs) so the center party uh, follows this idea of Nordic agrarianism. Sure. Which is obviously a part of the political spectrum <laughs> that we don't have in as not being a Nordic country. Yeah. But it's it's kind of what you think of when you think agrarian, right? It's like small business. It's about like the farmer. It's about like free market. It's kind of about just being your own, being your own person who cares about nature living out in the country. Right. Uh, which which I feel like there it's like it's a term that I hadn't heard before, mm-hmm. but I feel like we have I totally know people who have agrarian ideologies. Yeah. That sentiment <laughs> exists in Canada for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. And so this is uh the center party is agrarian, which I just I found it very interesting because I'd never heard this term <laughs> no. before. Um and the other the moderate party, mm-hmm. which forms the coalition called the Alliance with the center party. Yes. And I want you to take a swing at this. Sure. And I don't think I've, we, we have not prepared for this. No. Uh, but their ideology is liberal conservatism. Right. If you just listen to the episode. Yeah. Uh, and the episode is what I know. <laughs> and then you see a party's ideology of liberal conservatism. It's confusing. Yes. It's just utterly, conf- especially when all the party names are in Swedish, no. which is hard enough to understand. Yeah, as it is. <laughs> yeah I think that, that, that does make it a little more complicated. I guess. So is it like the my the best guess for me would be that 
either the liberal is the economic view and the conservative is the social view or it's the opposite yes <laughs> yeah <got> it. <laughs> but it doesn't i maybe it's more clear in uh in swedish i don't I, if we have swedish fans <laughs> and they could clarify that maybe this is obvious yeah so i i always go to the wikipedia page for these things first obviously. oh yeah and it's just as confusing it's a political it's a brand of political conservatism mm -hmm. strongly influenced by liberalism but i feel like we do see this uh quite often so people who might be liberal conservatives yeah might want this idea of being fiscally conservative so you don't so you want people to care about where your tax money is going basically yeah yeah but you're socially liberal mm -hmm. which i think a lot of people like don't touch my guns or my drugs <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, as, a, as an american stance so yeah don't touch my money my guns or my drugs mm -hmm. uh as in their kind of more left-wing views i guess people would think would be uh decriminalization of marijuana mm -hmm. and things like that but also conservative views of low taxation yeah because you you could have you could have a, a liberal person and a quite conservative person agreeing on the decriminalization of, of something like marijuana because they believe that yeah we should all just have the state shouldn't be controlling something like that when you don't believe that the state should be taxing you as much yeah. and that sort of thing yeah i think what i thought was interesting when you're talking about this in sweden is it looks like that even though they're the what the liberal conservative the moderate party and the center party like none of them actually like sweden has a huge a huge state like in terms of social benefit like social welfare programs and stuff yeah and none of them actually want to touch it the only ones that want to do that are the swedish swedish democrats yeah, yeah the sweden democrats and the, that's what i think that's what i found interesting looking at this because when i think sweden or nordic countries mm -hmm. i think like liberal bastions yes <laughs> like like when people think of these like nordic countries it's like very liberal and highly egalitarian yes seemingly like what what people say from the outside but also very but, homogenous I mean, incredibly yes, also homogenous. very homogenous which seems to be well homogenous in the political party names and views for one <laughs> they're all center parties yes yeah uh centrist parties other than the left parties conveniently <laughs> um but yeah so and that is something that i think a lot of europe is struggling mm -hmm. with but also uh sweden in this election you see a huge uh shift towards a nationalist party which is typical of europe currently very anti-immigration mm -hmm. i mean yeah but we've seen it i think we've seen it we covered germany and i think we saw a very similar situation where it's like maybe i don't agree with this far-right party entirely but there's nowhere else for me to vote to say that i'm upset about uh the way the immigration policy has been handled or the integration policy or or anything like the, everything is so similar and that there's no room for my voice of discontent and i think looking at like a country like sweden and seeing how you can still have a political spectrum but i earlier in the summer uh, we talked about uh, the notion of the Overton window mm -hmm. of like what is okay to debate and what is okay to talk about. Yeah. And so like in Canada, you don't really have any politicians being like, I don't want universal health care yeah. anymore. So like you can be a very uh, conservative uh, politician, mm -hmm. but 
that's just not really something that, you... that is up for up for discussion. Mm-hmm. So I find I find it interesting is that you can have kind of you still have the same like a few parties of one party on the far left, one party on the far right, a couple of parties like clustered around the center, but still there are certain aspects that are just not talked about. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, it's 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 interesting how they're like this stuff this works <laughs> and we're willing to concede on this point. And I'm sure there are points that uh, we could find for liberals saying like, okay, well, like the typical conservative viewpoint mm-hmm. uh, seems to have worked here yeah. in, in our country or like generally people are happy with that. Yeah. I mean, with, yeah. And that's because it's a society. So the general consensus has to, eventually the general consensus just has to win. It, it becomes a problem when the minority can, uh, can constantly sort of dictate the, and create a lot of, you know, be, be constantly pushing for, something that will make the broad majority very unhappy i think that's the swedish election it doesn't seem like there's going to be it's a it's a moderately tight race but yeah. it seems like it's going to be the same coalition probably uh, i mean yeah cabinet, there's a certain amount of likely. uh kingmaker that we saw in the german election i think that could happen again where hmm. could yeah, take a while with who, exactly who exactly how the coalition forms yeah and and whatnot uh but generally we have a, a similarity going forward other than uh again the rise of the rise of nationalism yeah nationalism but in it was Sweden just to but to be clear though i think it's it's still important to be aware of sweden's election in that there is a it's another european country with a far-right party that is making strides and so what does that mean for europe i mean the eu the europe on a whole sort of thing and, and so that's while it is kind of boring and following a similar pattern, it's still like worth noting, I suppose. Yeah, I mean that, that's the state of affairs right now. Is it's it's sad that it's gotten boring and routine that we see the continued rise of nationalism in Europe without a whole lot of success so far. Yeah, necessarily, but definitely success in forming government. But hopefully. Uh, we see uh, a change yeah maybe in seasons uh seven eight nine of probably <laughs> politics when we yeah. visit these countries because it's, it's the type of success that either either the mainstream parties will figure out a way to respond to it or they won't and it'll get worse i i suspect so that's exactly. something to continue to watch for us and if you would like to continue to watch these things, <laughs> you can subscribe to the Probably About Politics newsletter. Yeah, it's brand new. Um, we'll have we'll have links to subscribe to that on our Twitter, and we can send those out. You can send us an email if you'd like to get on the mailing list at, at, at probablyaboutpolitics at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Find us on Twitter at probpolitics. Uh, and you can get a newsletter and keep up to date on all this stuff. There'll be a few links that Kaylee and I have kind of curated in there. Yeah, and and hopefully some bonus content, like good bonus sort of stuff. So it's a it's an add on, I think. Good bonus content. If you don't get enough of probably about politics, and you want some definitely about politics, <laughs> you can find it in the newsletter. And speaking of add-ons and bonuses Mm -hmm. from the newsletter we're looking for more merch because we hear you and everybody's talking about the sweaters still yes uh everybody wear the sweaters we have fans of the show we got friends family all these people going on about how they didn't see that we were selling sweaters despite (laughs) we were going on about it for months 
um, and they want some. So if you want another one, we're maybe we're maybe going to do another run. But sort of numbers wise, so you got to tell us exactly. So if you want a sweater, let us know. And if you know somebody who wants a sweater, get them on the phone <laughs> and get them down knocking on our door and letting us know. Uh, but if you're not a sweater kind of person, you want a t-shirt or you want a hat or you want a coffee mug or pen or stickers if you have any other merch ideas we're looking to do some different things hopefully something smaller that maybe we could uh, use as part of a giveaway yeah or maybe if you have the best idea of merch there might be a giveaway in it for you yeah not confirmed (laughs) yeah no no promises pricing needs to be worked out uh, exactly but get at us for any if there's anything that you want or you think would be fun we're probably leaning towards um some coasters for your coffee table or some stickers for uh your laptop uh, or something like that Uh, but let us know if you'd be interested in those and finally i think uh, i'm most excited Mm -hmm. about the special episodes for season three yeah we've got some good ideas but but if you have any ideas right now i don't want to talk about it i don't want to no. i don't want to spoil because it. it's exciting i think it'll be good exactly but if there's anything that you liked that we did last year let us know and if you haven't listened to all the special episodes go back listen to them and then let us know what you like what you did yeah if, if you want another q a get at us if summer if school was missing ex- something yeah if you want more explainers let us know if there's something if you want us to have guests if you want us to go out on the street <laughs> buy a supportable microphone and then we'll do that yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah so if you have any requests for episodes uh or ideas for that let us know and we'll try to work that into the schedule Mm -hmm. because it's still so we can figure out the rest of the season uh as we go we're excited we're gonna be bigger and better than ever yeah and we're trying to get on a ballot so if anybody has (laughs) (laughs) oh god every time you say this 10 people ask me about when we're running okay so if i ask if i say it multiple times you're gonna get 20 30 40 people asking oh yeah that's true that all right for publicity's sake we're running for office please ask us about it you have a political party that happen you don't ne- yeah i don't think people necessarily know our stances eh, we get we give flavors <laughs> tastes uh if you think that we align with your political party and you want uh two experienced speakers we can run yes. as a group we can run as a pod we can put the pod on your yeah, people ballot. people who are very experienced talking into a microphone but not in front of a crowd and that's what public speaking is is just you're just pretending that's so. what a political debate really is is standing there not oh. listening to what your opponents say not listening to what the moderator <laughs> says and hitting your talking points and let me tell you can we do that <laughs> should we do a live episode who knows i don't think we have the well, we could do it anyway thanks for listening to probably about politics season three episode one uh we are excited to be back and better and bigger and by the looks of what's on screen are now longer than ever oh god yeah see you in a couple weeks